0: Okay. Hey, Om. Hello. Oh, good to see you. Um, so, as you know, I'm Keith and today I have the pleasure of talking to to Om Rappani. Uh Om and I have had the pleasure of sharing space and and several workshops over the past couple of years. Uh, we did a tantric edu- educator program with Charles Muir a couple of years back, and then a very unique program called shamanic dearmoring and down in down in Glendale last year. And they were both very, very interesting ways to to get to know each other. Yeah. yeah, I, you know, I've also since those times been following your work. I'm also uh you know an aspiring teacher in the in the polarity space and uh you know masculine feminine dynamic. So yeah, I I'm really grateful that you took the time in this holiday to yeah. spend a little time with me. Um one last thing I want to say, you're the author of a book, Prere- Prere- Prerequisites to Ecstasy, yep. a no-nonsense guide to, to what it really takes to create love and sex, and, and love and sex we say we want. Um, this book has been an incredible guide for me. If you haven't checked it out, uh, I highly recommend it. And actually, what you know, what's inspired us having this conversation now is that you'll be coming to Boulder in two weeks yep. and uh, staying at my house with um, my business partner, Michaela. Ah, uh, you'll be part of Tantra Fest, running a program called BDSM through the Seven Chakras. I'll be hosting a a station called uh, Advanced Tantric Rituals. I'm a little bummed I won't actually get to participate in yours because we'll both be facilitating. Um, and then the next day, you have a um, your own workshop here at our house called um, The Masterfully Submissive Woman and the Dominant Man. Yeah. Uh, so I thought we could just talk about a few of these things, kind of like what what you're bringing and. Um, um I, I noticed I like wanted to just start with a question for you around like I, I've read this in your book a little bit about your history and your path, but maybe just briefly, like what inspired you to, like what was your path to, you know going from, I believe you were in medical school, right, to like finding your way into into this work?
1: You know, people always ask this, and I wish yeah. I had some really interesting yeah. answer for you, but it was really a very slow transition. There wasn't any like big aha moment. There wasn't any big decision or declaration. It was about doing workshops to benefit my own life, doing more of them, getting curious, learning. And then at some point switching to maybe offering one hour classes, evening classes. It's a very gradual trend. There wasn't, you know, it isn't any big moment of discovery or I got a message from above. that. It was always about like, uh, gaining knowledge for my own benefit and then uh, eventually seeing, oh, maybe others can use it. And then actually letting other people decide if they can use it. So, mainly in the in the beginning part, it was other people inviting me to come teach in their space. Like, I have come teach in our Tantra Fest. I'm like, okay. So, in, invitations like that, if anything, were like the indicator that, oh, maybe I have something to offer people. To- yeah that's follow-up so just really it's out there not any big decision or plan on my part little by little
0: yeah and i just want to say like that's one of the things i i really appreciate about you is is someone who's kind of at the top of his um top of the class of what he's doing but you know i still see you at other workshops and supporting all the
1: time like i know people are like, like always surprised like you yeah. are at a workshop i'm like i love being a student <laughs> yeah. I love being a geek. Yeah. I want to learn from everybody. I want to take everybody's classes. Everybody has something worthwhile to teach. And I, I never feel like too good for class. I can even imagine that mindset.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm still a workshop junkie.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, that that leads me into one thing I wanted to talk to you about today. You have a, a, one of the first chapters in your book is that men are terrified of sexual education. So sort of like yeah. the opposite of what you're talking about Larry, is just like, I remember reading a study once where it says men kind of learn some sexual habits in their late teens or whenever they initially start having sex. And then many of them just like double down on that for the rest of their life. And that obviously ends up in a lot of disappointed women. So like say more about that, like what you've seen, like, why are men so afraid to like find a coach, to go to a workshop, to admit that they, you know, maybe could be better partners and lovers?
1: Yeah. I I refer to it as hopeful sex. Hmm. (laughs) Men are hoping... I think the last girl liked it. Hopefully, this girl will like it too. (laughs) Uh, I I think she liked it last week. So, I hope she will like it tonight. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think, you know, if there there is a distinction between me and maybe other men in this area, it is that I have never had that particular glitch in my brain. Mm. I'm like, I don't know everything. I don't know anything. I've never taken a sex class. What the hell do I know? I've read a few books. It was never in my mind like it's a blow to my ego if somebody gives me new information. I'm like, I hope there is new information. Totally. I hope I am not, as I was back then or even today, the final authority on sexual mastery. I I hope to God that is not the case. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, let me find the teachers. Let me find the people who've been doing this for 20 years. Let me find the people who have written books and started... Uh, entire movements in sexual exploration like Charles Muir, like one taste, like other people. So I'm like, I am ready to learn, ready to be a student. So to me, it's like, it's wonderful that all these people are out there that we can learn from. It makes it so much easier. We don't have to really, you know, build our yeah. wheel from scratch. But this is, I have noticed this over and over and over in men that they, there seems to be some really deep-seated fear in them that if I go learn, if I take a class, if I learn BDSM, if I learn more about how to handle a woman's body, are what women's eros is actually like, that that's going to reveal to me what a crappy lover I've been all my life. And it's almost like a defense mechanism, like they don't want to know. I, I don't particularly personally resonate with that mindset, but I can tell you it is very prevalent. It is extremely prevalent. Men who have come to my dominant man course, men who have paid me over four grand to do my dominant man course, in that course, I tell them, listen, you need to learn to handle a woman's sex. There is no way you can dominate a woman without dominating her sex. Not today, maybe a hundred years ago. Maybe eros wasn't that important. Today's woman, if you can't handle her sex, she's out the door. She has too many options, and she really needs that in her life. So for the love of God, acquire sexual mastery. Right. Come to my class, go yeah. to some other class, learn to stroke pussy, learn to do BDSM. I can tell you, even these men who have committed to my work paid me four grand to take my class. Even they hesitate. And I'm like, what is wrong Yay, with you people?
0: Yeah. It's very interesting. You, you say that. Cause I, I've had the same experience with a lot of my coaching clients where it's like, they, they invest quite a bit. And then I say, I say like, look, like this is going to hurt because you're going to have to, I think you even say in your book, like it's a reckoning, like to say, I I want and need to make some changes and I'm going yeah. to improve makes you look back and say like, wow, I've been pretty poor in my relationships and in my love life. Yeah. And it's like, but what I say is like, you want to do that today? Or ten years from now, or twenty years from now, or like n- n- never in your whole life. Like I hear choice. you. I, yeah. I
1: really think that's a matter of attitude. Yeah. And in my case, I'm like, give me the good news. Give me the bad news early. <laughs> give yeah. me the bad <laughs> exactly. news now, so I can start yeah. doing something about it. Right. But I I think there are a lot of men who are very defensive in this area. Yeah.
0: Yeah it's yeah. A, it's an it's an area of, I think just it just great insecurity and. What I also find interesting is, as man, I think your typical male, like we spend a lot of time thinking about sex or trying yeah. to acquire sex, and then for me, it's like a disconnect of maybe there's something on your side you can do to, yeah. to improve the ecstasy and the satisfaction and uh, of your partner and so on.
1: And you know, this goes even layers deeper. I'll tell you what happens. Even when I do my scenes, and women may come to me thinking, "Oh." You're a good dom, you're skilled. I want you to handle me. Even after my scenes, my stroking sessions, I am a complete geek. Yeah. I will tell the women, tell me the truth. Yeah. Which parts worked for you? Which parts didn't work for you? What are you withholding from me?
0: Yeah.
1: And I try to really get the truth out of the women because women are often so polite. Right. That they will they will not tell you the truth or they will, you know, they're actually very generous. They will focus on the good. I'm like, no, no, I want to know what didn't work for you in this scene. Tell me the truth so that I can better get in tune with your system. So I can increase my mastery. I'm asking the data for selfish reasons.
0: Yeah. If we
1: don't have that feedback loop, we are flying blind
0: all the time. And I think and I think what you're doing there is, the invitation for feedback is so big because I imagine a lot of women have experiences where they've told a man something that doesn't work and his fragile ego collapses. And then she learns not to tell him the good things. I think this is a good instruction for most men.
1: It's a very common phenomenon that men make it expensive for women to tell the truth. Yes. And then women stop telling the truth. But I have another chapter in my book on How expensive is it to do business with you? This This applies in relationships too. People stop telling each other the truth because if if you're punished for telling the truth, people will just stop. This happens in relationships. It happens in work environments where the bosses stop getting the bad news about what the hell is happening in their company because they are not encouraging that kind of feedback. You are not creating a culture when any employee can walk into your office and say, this isn't working here. Right. And I think uh, we pay for it. We pay for those blind spots. We contribute to creating those blind spots instead of making an active effort to take away the blind spots.
0: Right. So okay, a couple of things I want to like shift in our remaining time towards some of the things you're going to be doing in Boulder and... Um... The, the workshop at Tantra Fest that you'll be hosting is, is uh, BDSM through the chakras. And I know you also have like a concept of like BDSM for everyone. And that I think some people hear that term and they're like, oh, that's some kind of fringe out there practice. But I know you often teach about it is like, no, everyone should know some of the basic skills of BDSM. Uh, so I wonder if you would the say a little bit
1: about Most that. basic selling point I can give you on BDSM is like, for the love of God, everybody please come in and learn. How to give good containment to your partner? Certainly, all men come in and learn how to give containment to your partner. You don't have to do anything else kinky. Learning to give containment is kind of a PG skill. It's not particularly sexual; doesn't have to be sexual at all. Yeah. And the best way I know how to teach people containment is actually to take them into their dom energy, is to take them into a basic posture scene together. right so how about that 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 is one one tiny step you can take into the bdsm realm to acquire one skill that you can use in your non-kinky relationship start there
0: yeah you don't need a ball gag or a flogger or anything you
1: don't and the thing with ball gags and floggers and rope is uh people on the outside don't really it's it's really is contempt before investigation they don't really understand what is the somatic result of using these tools. They don't really understand how much containment rope bondage creates. They think it's all about wild and crazy stuff. Yeah. They don't understand what happens to the body when you put it in rope. Yep. And that is not exactly a controversial or sexual or bizarre state to be in. You basically feel swaddled and held and calm. How are you going to turn that into something bizarre and evil? <laughs> like, how is that bad? Mm-hmm. But it is ridiculous and amazing. You know, and this is, I don't know if if people, people out there who have seen the show yeah. Billions was on Showtime. Paul yeah. Giamatti plays a very high-powered New York attorney who is a sexual submissive. Right, and I read an article about him talking about preparing for this role. So at least in the article he said, I have no experience with any of this, so they set up a session for me with a dominatrix. And this is how he puts it. He's like, you know, she put me in some rope and the strangest thing happened. I just became very quiet and peaceful. And I'm like laughing reading this on the page. Yeah. like paul Giamatti got some rope on him and he fell into containment
0: right which That's many of us in he was it. expecting
1: but it's like all yeah. oh, everybody falls into a quiet space yeah. after they're tied up people don't know this stuff they think something else wild and crazy is going to happen right so right. it's like pe- people don't know what this is on the inside they don't actually know what the somatic effects of all these bdsm play actually is on the body
0: yeah. And most of us haven't had that kind of feeling since we were one or two years old. You know, yeah. It's like a going home kind of feeling. Yeah. Um, okay. And thank you. And I think the last thing I'd, I'd like to ask you a little bit about the the four hour workshop you're going to have in Boulder, January 14th is um, the masterfully submissive woman and the dominant man. I know this is like a flavor of the a much larger kind yeah. of online program that you have. Um, but what, how how would you like headline that for people that my story is for some people. That's like, wow, those are really strong terms. Um, but like, what would like maybe a couple or an individual receive from from well, getting some of the so basics? Again,
1: our- I have because I I have a wide <laughs> offering of materials. Yeah. I usually, I'm like, I can offer this, I can offer this, I can offer this. Let me get there and see what's in the room and respond to it. But one thing I'm actually very much considering doing uh is uh so for those men who are terrified to be evaluated don't come to this workshop because i've (laughs) recently created a uh evaluation form of women will interact with men and then they will rate the men on this form and the idea in my mind right now is first and foremost to bring that piece to have the men and yeah. women interact and to have the women fill out the form. They're not even going to fill out a different form for each man because it's only four hours. When I do a weekend-long class, they fill out a different form for each man. Mm-hmm. In this one, I want them to mark the men on the same form. And then I maybe see. three so then hours into it, we will we will put all those forms on display. There will be no names on any of them, either of yeah. the men or the women. So that women, men can see how they as a group are falling, how women are rating them in containment, in their presence, in their masculine embodiment, and all these different factors. And then we can talk about it and actually do something about it. I would love to do this both ways, but I think in a four-hour class, I actually want to put the men's foot under the fire.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with considering this connects very much to the first topic we talked about. In a lot of the workshops, I do this too, where I kind of line the men up and I have women go to the most present yeah. man and very confronting, but like, men, like again, if, if you're a man, you're willing to start to look at potentially making some shifts. Yeah. The first thing you need to know is where are you right now, yeah. right? And then to get feedback from women, oh, if if you made more eye contact, if you breathed into your belly, if you rolled yeah. your shoulders back, I would perceive you as more present. All of, exactly. Yeah.
1: And I think that information, if men can receive it, is gold. Yes. Yes. It is absolute gold because what's happening in real life is you simply have women disconnecting with you, politely turning down a second date, disappearing on you, and you don't even know why. And in the absence of data, I think there's an increasing culture today that men are thinking more and more evil of women. Oh, women are selective. Women are dismissed. (laughs) I'm like, they actually aren't. There are probably really good, valid reasons that she did not want a second date is that there is no lines of communication open here so that she can actually give you this information and you're actually able to receive it and do something with it. And I'm like, if I can play that mediator in between, I would have served both people, both parties. And what I love to do is I love to quantify things. I don't think good relationships are a mystery. I think these evaluations are happening all the time in real time. Even women may not be aware exactly how they are evaluating the man, but the metrics are there. Yeah, And I want to externalize them. I want to put them on one sheet of paper, two-sided, and I want to hand it to the men and say, go work on these areas. Improve your score in these areas. Move to the right.
0: Right beautiful it,
1: it, it is measurable it is measurable it is doable it is not some black box mystery how attraction
0: works and, men and women yeah you know and like in some of the stuff i teach i often speak about how like men men grow a little bit more through that kind of challenge and 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 criticism but on the other side like the feminine beings i know they tend to grow more through appreciation and <laughs> praise so what would be like the flip side like what are the women um, it sounded like you said you would even do the evaluation.
1: I, I am equally yeah. ruthless with women. Okay. I think <laughs> women need to hear the bad news too. I think women yeah. today are are quite solipsistic. Yeah. I think women are today are very good at finding men's faults, but I think they're pretty blind to how they are being perceived. And I think women also need to receive the bad news these days. I think the reason so many women's relationships aren't working, it's not all men's fault. I think women also have their heads up their asses. I don't think they understand. They are not, they don't even seem all that interested in asking, what is it that men want from me? Right. Every goddamn workshop I see on women manifesting their ideal partner, Uh, I don't think they even ask, what is it that men want from us? Yeah. We are just going to do some uh, rituals and la-la-la-la and woo-woo-woo-woo and the perfect man will show up. I'm like, has this shit ever worked? Uh, Yes. This is not a business strategy. Ask your fucking customer what your customer wants and then give it to them. (laughs) I will give exactly the same advice to men. If some man tells me this is just who I am, I'm like, you know what, son, go fuck yourself. Nobody mm-hmm. gives a flying fuck who you are if right. you're trying to attract women. Yeah. If you're trying to work for a particular company, if you're trying to sell your product to a particular people, you need yeah. to be interested in who your customer is. This exactly. is the way the world functions. Yeah. Get real. Land in the 3D world. If you want to partner with men, ask men what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And again, if you're not interested in that data, yeah go take another voodoo workshop and see if you can manifest your perfect man without yeah. making any shift in your system. Uh, yeah. It's nonsense.
0: Right. That's the yeah, that's the whole I I call it, it's like an Amazon marketplace for partners where people are going out there like looking for all these attributes and it's like very rarely do I see someone be like what do I need to do to create the partner exactly. I want? Exactly. Yeah.
1: I don't mind women having a checklist of this is the kind of man I want to be with. I'm like, fabulous. Be selective. Have a long list of characteristics you want in a man. But please, then after you've made your goddamn list, stop and ask, what does this man want from me?
0: Where's that list? Yeah.
1: What would this man want from me? How can I make myself attractive to this man? Have you even asked that question? It's truly Uh retarded. It's retarded. You know, I tell my men, you want to go marry the Marilyn Monroe of our time? You can do it. Marilyn Monroe had lovers. She got married to a baseball legend, to a Pulitzer Prize winning. She slept with presidents. Marilyn Monroe's of the world at any given time. They take on men, partners. You want the Marilyn Monroe of your time? Be the man Marilyn Monroe wants to be with. You want to fuck Julia Roberts? Be the kind of man Julia (laughs) Roberts would chase. Go be that man. Yeah, are right. The world is your oyster. Go be that man. But don't complain. Julia Roberts doesn't go for me. All right. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs>
0: uh, great. Oh, I, I love your passion. I love your ruthlessness. Um, I I hope this serves as a little preview for for what. But people let's see, can
1: if we've expect. scared off all the men. Probably yeah, we scared off all, all the men.
0: Out. This is the problem in our workshops. We'll have we we'll with have a, a, we'll uh,
1: a four hour conversations with each other.
0: My story is some are going to hear this and feel feel inspired and really want to be here and be present. So, uh well, we'll yeah, thank, yeah. Thank you for this time. Uh, My pleasure. Wish you a happy new year. We'll see you in. We'll see you in weeks. a couple of weeks. And Boulder, yeah. All thanks. right.